Happy Easter. So glad to see everyone here uh, this fine morning. Welcome home, family. Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, in praise. Thank you, everyone who has served this morning and has spoken already read scripture. Uh, we are celebrating Easter. We are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, the center point of our faith this morning. And so it's a great occasion to be all together doing that. I hope you are warmly welcomed when you came in. I hope uh, if you are a guest that you thought at home. And uh, again, welcome home back everyone who calls River Valley home. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for this day when we can come and praise you through song and through prayer and through sitting on your word, all of these things. We, we are so thankful that you've given them to us so that we can remember what you've done. We can remember who you are. We can remember your love. And Lord, I just pray for this time as we open up your word, as we see the importance of what the resurrection means, that we can be refreshed with uh, not just knowledge, but with devotion towards you, love towards you knowing where our salvation comes from, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray. So there I was knowing my life was going to be changed. There's several times in life that maybe you have experienced that where you knew your life was never going to be the same after this. I mean, it happened to me before. It happened to me as I was standing there. I watched my bride come, come down towards me to, be, to meet me. I knew my life was not going to be the same after this, in a good way, in a good way. But there I was, knowing my life was never going to be changed, and that is at the birth of my first child. I knew life would be fundamentally altered, that I would take on a new identity, I would be dad. There's those times in our lives, as I said, that we know they're turning points in our history, whether they're marriage or the birth of a child, or there's those times in the history of the world where there's those turning points where things are never the same, whether it's the invention of the light bulb, or it's the invention of the printing press, or it's those monumental points of like the end of World War II or, or 9-11. There's those times when history shifts, and it's never the same again. But there's one time, a turning point in history, that is the turning point in history, where the world was never the same as it was before it rose from the grave. Really, you could say the whole weekend, at that kind of sink, that as he died for us and then as he rose for us, life, history, the world was never the same. It's a turning point in history. And we see that as we read the Bible, as we know the Bible story, we see how God has had this great redemption plan that he's been working out from the very beginning, moving history, orchestrating events, so that it would culminate in those events on that first Easter where our, our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would go to the cross for us, but then also would rise for us, showing what awaited us as we have faith in him, that new life, as well as being vindicated that he truly is God in the flesh. And one point we see how this is a turning point in history is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't, don't worry, it'll be on the screen here. 
So after, the, uh, this is Paul writing to a church, and he's writing about what is most important that he preaches, what is the most important on which his church stands, and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to the apostles. Last of all, to, as, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul is speaking to this church, and he says, this is the events that changed history. These are the things of first importance, that whenever the church gathers, whenever the church comes together, this is what we preach, this is what we remember, that the resurrection changes history, that it changes history. This is the, the things of first uh, importance. As I said, when the church together together, every Sunday, actually, we remember this and we celebrate this. It's not just Easter where we celebrate this. It's not just Easter that's Resurrection Sunday. Every single Sunday when the body of Christ gathers together is Resurrection Sunday because we celebrate the risen Lord. But it's also good to have in our church calendar to take a special time to remember and focus on what is so central to our faith, which is the resurrection changes history. This is the gospel the good news of who Jesus is now to their maker. That those who were spiritually adrift now can be brought home. That people in life would never be the same again because we have a risen Lord who we can know and have faith in and so be saved in him. But it's funny because it's not just a church that recognizes that the resurrection changes history. The whole world does. The whole Western world does. You can just tell that on how we number our years. I think this is so funny. How we even number our years, how we even understand what year we are is all based on these events that the Christian world got together and said, hey, we kind of measure it out where we are, and that's where we get these dates. That actually B.C. stands before Christ, and A.D., Anno Dei means in the year of the Lord. It's how we remember, number years. And even when people want to change it and make it the you know, B.C. before the common era or A.D. after the common era, they use the same dates because they can't change that. But our whole world understands that this was a history-defining moment. History was changed because the resurrection changes history. And that's what Paul says here as he delivers these things of first importance. And so what he says, he says, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which I received, which you received, this gospel that sues. So Paul came and he's delivering good news to people. And what was these good news? This was a good news that saved. It's a good news that if you believe in who Jesus is and the events that took place, you can be saved. You can be saved from your sin. You can be saved from the enemy. You can be saved from yourself. And this was the good news that he was del delivering. He says elsewhere, else, elsewhere in Romans 1.16 where he says that he's not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for the salvation for, of all who believe. First for the Jew, 
than to Gentile, that he knew that this good news, these events are what save, that when we believe the truth of these events happening. I love the fact that we call it the gospel, good news, because it's not good advice. The world is full of good advice. If, I mean, ask your neighbor, ask your coworker. I bet they have some great advice for you on how to live your life. You can ask your spouse. They probably even have more great advice for how you should live your life. This is not good advice. Paul did not come say, hey, I'm bringing you the five steps and how you can change your life, be better, you're going to lose weight, and you're going to be with your Savior. No, that's not what he came to bring. He bring the good gospel, the, the gospel, the good news that gee, God, he truly was born for us. He truly lived the life we could not live, righteous before God. He truly went to the cross, paying for our sins. He truly rose from the grave, showing that he truly who, was who he said he was, showing us what life was, was waiting for us. That he truly ascended to the Father, and that he truly is, is reigning right now on his right hand, by his right hand. These are the events This is the good news of the gospel. And we are saved if we believe in them. That we're actually saved when when we believe in who Jesus is. And so if we're saved, we can ask ourselves, what are we saved from? Because if we're saved, we have to be saved from something. And the truth is we're saved from ourselves. The humanity... After Adam and Eve rebelled against God, humanity has gone astray. We do our own things. We're seeking our own pleasures. We're seeking our own good above everything else, that we are lost. We're in rebellion against our God, and so we need to be saved from ourselves. And Jesus does that in the gospel. When we believe in him, we know and trust that he's done everything necessary for our salvation, and we're saved in him. And we see this throughout the pages of Scripture again and again, this story. But what is this good news? Where are these events that changed history? Well, Paul relates to it. He says, For I deliver to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according with Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that these are events that truly happen. And that is what we believe in. It's not just a story that people made up. It's not just a myth that has kind of gained some traction in our world. These are historical events that happened in real space, in real time, in real history. That happened, and that is what we believe in. That these true events, that Jesus truly went to a cross, and he truly died for us. He was truly buried. He was dead. No matter what people want to object, he was truly dead. He was dead and buried in a tomb. And then he truly, on that third day, on that Sunday, the first day of the week, he was resurrected. He came out of the tomb. He came to life. Stephen Neal, which is a, is, he's a uh, historian, he says, In the Christian theology of history, the death of Christ is the central point of history. Here all roads of the past converge, and here all the roads of the future diverge. He's saying here at this event, and he's saying the death, but you could say the death and resurrection, these things go together. It's events on Easter weekend. All the roads of history are coming together and converge at that, and then when we look through history, everything since there diverges from it, from these true events. 
The fact that these are true events is actually important to Paul, and it should be important to us, because we are rooting our faith in actually facts that happened. That we're not just rooting our faith in like a wish or just a hopes. Well, actually, our faith is grounded in these facts of how Christ truly lived and he truly died and he truly lived again all to save us. And so Paul says these actually happened according to Scripture. That he, was, he, he died for us and according to Scripture. He was buried and then he rose on the third day according to Scripture. That Paul says, if we knew God's word, if you read the Bible, the Bible they had at the time, you would know these facts. Why? Because the whole story of Scripture points to Christ. The whole story of Scripture is God's great redemption plan about how humanity went astray, and now God is going to orchestrate all these events in the world. He's going to raise kingdoms and bring kingdoms down, all for one purpose, is to bring people to a point where Christ could live and save his people. And this happened all according to Scripture. The Bible testified to himself. We see this when he's talking to people when he was during in the Gospels. We see this in John chapter 5, uh, verse 39. He's talking to some experts in the Word of God. And he's actually commending him. He says, hey man, you searched the Word really well. I mean, they, they knew their Old Testament. They knew their Hebrew Bible. And he says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me. And he commends them. He says, you guys know the word of God, but guess what? What you're searching for, eternal life in this word, is not found there because I bring the completion, the fulfillment, the culmination, the finished product, and so they testify about me. He even said this to his followers after his resurrection, and we can see this in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. This is after he's been resurrected, when these events that Paul is talking about, when he's appearing to different people. In, in Luke, chapter 20, ver, 24, verse 27, he finds these two disciples, and they're walking along the road. They're going somewhere away from Jerusalem, and he starts talking to them, and he's actually, hey, why you guys are so sad? Because they just witnessed the, their, their Lord be crucified, and they don't understand what's happening. And so he says, he says hey, man, guys, cheer up. Why are you sad? Because he has, he has them, and all the scriptures are things concerning himself. That Jesus took them on a master class of what the Bible truly teaches and showed how everything finds its completion in him. And so Paul is making it very clear that we have this witness to the fact of how Christ died for us and rose for us, and that is the, the word of God. That they're true and it all points to him. So we as Christians can have faith that when we open up a book and we read, no matter where we find ourselves, we're always reading on the way to the cross or we're reading after the cross. And we can know where we stand and we can see the truth of how God has saved us in real space, in real time, in real history, because the resurrection changes history as Christ saves us. But Paul wasn't done in in 1 Corinthians, he, he does not just talk about how Scripture testifies to the truth of who he is. He actually says, hey, people saw Christ come back. People saw him appear to them. 
And then he has this, this, this list that he just reads off about how he appeared to, to Cephas. He appeared to the 12. He appeared to the 500. He appeared to James. He also appeared to Paul as one untimely born because this happened after, the, after um, uh, Jesus ascended back to the Father. He's saying, hey, these things happened so much so that you could go find people right now when this was written who saw it with him. They're still walking around. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe the testimony of his word, believe these people who saw it with their own eyes and experienced Jesus back from the dead. They can confirm it. If you ever do a detailed reading of the Gospels or just real, kind of read the Gospels, it's really interesting because there's these names implanted in, like, uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John that you're like, why did they put that name in there? One of my favorites is in, in, in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus is being led to the cross and they say, hey, they took Simon of Cyrene and made him carry the, cro the cross. And they say, oh yeah, and Simon's sons are, um, I forget the one, but the other one's Rufus. It's a really easy name to remember, right? And so one is Rufus, right? And you're like, why would they ever say that? Why would Mark, when he's writing out his Gospel, ever say, oh yeah, that guy's sons were Alexander, I think his name, and Rufus? Because Alexander and Rufus were part of the early church. And it's like, you can go talk to them. And Rufus says, yes, I remember it like it was yesterday. My dad came home and told me these events, and I know it's true. And so we see again and again these details about the eyewitness of the early Christians. They saw this happen, that the word testified to the truth. People who saw it testified to the truth, and we could trust it. And we know the fact that the resurrection changed the fundamental break and change on how God saves people. Before, if you believed in God, if you believed in word, you're awaiting the promise. You trusted in God. You knew he was going to be true to his word, but you're waiting for the promise to come. And now here, does this change? Why? Because the promise came in Christ. He fulfilled it all. All the promises of God are fulfilled in Christ. They find their yes and amen in him. And so now history has been changed. So now as we stand on the other side of the cross and resurrection, we look back to the cross and know all the promises are filled in him. And we trust in that, that Christ has saved us. But also more fundamentally, maybe to each one of us, our history changes with the cross. That each and every individual who knows Jesus Christ, their history changes when you believe upon Jesus as he saves us on the cross and as he's resurrected for us. For if you, become, if you come to know the truth of who Jesus is and how he saves us and how he loves us, you know that you have been fundamentally changed. The Bible speaks about this again and again, about how when we believe in Jesus, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Why? Because Jesus has changed us and our history is changed. Now, if you are going to be resurrected on the last day, but yes, right now you have a, a spiritual resurrection as you are made alive in him. That if you believe in Jesus, you who once were sinners, who are out for your own benefit, who are spitting in the face of God, are now brought into him and you're made a saint. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he has done. That if you believe in Jesus, you who once were lost, you didn't know where you were going, you had no direction for your life, you had no, no meaning, you had no purpose, and you were lost in there, God grabs you and pulls you into his kingdom, and guess what? You find you're found. 
You who were once meaningless now have a purpose. You who once were drift now have a mission that you're given meaning and understanding of your whole of your life and the whole of history when you come to understand who Christ is. That your history is changed. That we who once were against God now can be brought home and are made part of God's family. And that all happens when we believe upon who Jesus is on how he has saved us, how he saved us on the cross, how he saved us when he was resurrected. And so when we consider those things and we read the word of God in 1 Corinthians 15 and we see these things are most important, the gospel saves us if we believe in the truth that is truly who he said he is. So if you do not know Jesus like that, if you do not understand him to be the Savior, I would ask you and I would actually plead with you, look towards him again. Look upon who Jesus is. Open up the Bible. Ask for someone who does know and say, show me who Jesus is so that I can see for what he says, what he says about himself. Look upon Jesus again and, and see it. And I, and I just ask you to do that with open eyes. If you do know who Jesus is, I'd ask you to look again upon your wonderful Savior. Be refreshed and encouraged that he has done everything necessary to make you right with your God. Be refreshed and encouraged that as we celebrate Easter, as we celebrate the risen Lord, we can be confident in the salvation that he gives us. That we can be confident, not just in our salvation, but with the life that he has before us. That if he saves us, when we want nothing to do with him, we can be assured that he's going to be with us for whatever comes our way. That he's going to be our Lord and he's never going to let us go. And this is all traced back with what we celebrate this morning, that the resurrection changes everything. If you join me in prayer. The salvation we have in Christ, that we can know this, we can trust this, that we can... We can set our flags on it. We can set our life upon it. We can build who we are on it. That we can trust in you. Lord, I just pray that we can be confident in these events. That we can be confident in how you have saved us. In the truth of your word. That we can look towards you with faith. Lord, I just pray for each and every one here. That on this Easter, that we spend time reflecting upon the truth of your love, your love expressed in the events of your son being born for us, living for us, dying for us, and rising for us. Lord, we love you. We ask that you open our eyes anew to your love so we can be your people always. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again and sing together.